Welcome to the Money Love Podcast. I'm your host and money coach, Paige Pritchard. If you're ready to uplevel your results in relationship with money, you're in the right place. Each week, I give you the tools to transform your mindset, manage your emotions, and achieve results with your money you never dreamed were possible. Hi, love. Welcome to episode 79 of the Money Love Podcast. I hope your week is off to a great start. And I have to say, I'm so happy that you're here this week because we are going to be talking about a very, very important topic, a life-changing topic, in my opinion, over the next two weeks, which I am calling a debt discussion. We're going to be talking about all things debt for the next two weeks. We're going to be talking about debt in general as a concept, how it can be used as a tool, how I use debt as a tool in my life, and probably most importantly, the way that you think about debt. We're almost 80 episodes in to the podcast, you guys, which is crazy. And we've had a couple of episodes in the past about debt. Episodes 28 and 29 are about debt. Episodes 30 and 31 are about credit cards. But still, those episodes are from over a year ago, and we really haven't talked about it since then. We haven't revisited it since then. And I figured it was time that we talked about debt again and we brought it back up to the surface because just being in the overcoming, overspending community and coaching with you guys and working with you guys, I'm seeing it come up as a consistent theme. I know it's something that many of you guys are struggling with. And I do want to be clear when I say struggle with, I don't mean that you're struggling with the debt. I mean that you're struggling with your thoughts about your debt. And that is a very big distinction that we're going to be talking about over the next two weeks. So this is a very meaty topic. There is a lot I want to cover. There's a lot I want to say. There's a lot that I just want to offer you. And when I first started mapping out this episode, I thought it was just going to be one episode. And then I realized I really need to break this up into part one and part two because there's just so much to cover. And so this week is going to be part one. Next week's going to be part two. And today, this week, is really going to be talking about the mindset shifts that I have made around debt, I would say over the last three to four years. And I'm also going to be giving you guys some examples of how I'm currently using debt in my life to create the financial results that I want to create. I'm going to be really open, really transparent this week, give you guys some really concrete examples about how I am using debt in my life currently and how I've used it in the past currently, because I do think that this is something that we just don't talk enough about. There's so much guilt. There's so much shame. There's so much hiding around our debt. We're not transparent enough about it. And one thing that I want to encourage all of us to start thinking about debt is that it doesn't need to be something that we're ashamed of. It doesn't need to be something that we hide from other people because it's not a bad thing. Debt is simply just a neutral tool, and we are all in control of how we're going to think about it, and not only think about it, but how we're going to use it in our lives, whether we are going to use it in a way that is helpful to our future selves, meaning using it in a way that's going to help us create more wealth in the future, or if we're going to use it in a way that's not super helpful to our future self. And we're going to talk about both of those in this episode. So next week will be part two. And in part two, we're really going to be talking about your thoughts about debt, both past, present, and future. I'm going to be giving you my best mindset tips on how you can really start shifting your mindset on your debt so that it doesn't have to have such a strong grip and such a strong hold on your mental, emotional, and financial well-being. Now, here's the disclaimer I'm going to give before we jump in. This message is not for everyone. If you are an avid Dave Ramsey follower and you think that debt is moral and it's evil and you know you shouldn't see the inside of a restaurant until you're consumer debt free and you really subscribe to that message and you also think that other people should do, well, you can go ahead and just turn this one off. This episode will not be for you. I approach debt in a very different way. And I want to say that even if you're not a full-blown Dave Ramsey follower, there still might be some of you that could be triggered in the way that I talk about debt in this episode. It might be very foreign to hear someone talk about debt in this way. 
but it might also be a total game changer for you as well if you are just open and curious about what I have to say in this episode. So keep an open mind, just listen, see if any of it makes sense to you, really hear what I say, and then you could just spend some time mulling it over. And who knows, this might be an episode that totally changes the way that you think about debt and how you use it. It could totally change the trajectory of your wealth creation for the next 10, 20, 30 years. And it very well could be something that changes your life because it certainly changed mine. First off, let's talk about what debt is. Let's just start here and level set for a bit. Now, this will be a bit of a repeat and a refresher from episode 28. But again, that episode is over a year old. And I feel like it's important that we just remind ourselves of this. So debt is simply buying money. When you go into debt, that's what you're doing. You're just buying money. You have something in your life that you want to buy. You want to buy a house, a car, an education, a certification, and you don't have the money to pay for it in your bank account to buy the item or the asset outright to pay cash for it. So what you do is you go to a lender and you buy the money that you need from them. They give you the money that you need to buy the thing that you want to buy. Again, whether it's a house, a car, an education, whatever. And then once you have the money from the lender, then you take that money and you go buy what you need it for. Now, there is a price that you pay when you buy the money. Just how everything else you're going to buy is going to have a price. And the price that you pay to buy the money, to buy the debt, is the interest that you are going to pay over the life of the loan to the lender. And the more that you borrow and the higher the interest rate, the more that you will pay to buy the money. We can say the more expensive the money is to buy, right? So buying the money or buying the debt for a $30,000 car at a 2% interest rate is going to cost you a lot less numerically than how much you will pay to buy a $400,000 house at 3.5% interest. You're buying more money and you're also buying it at a higher interest rate, a higher cost. So you're going to pay more to buy that money. But when you go into debt and you buy money, you're going to pay a price and that price that you pay is the interest over the life of the loan. Now, that's all you're doing when you're going into debt. You're buying money at a certain price, which is the interest, and then you're going to take that money and you're going to buy that money to buy whatever it is that you want or need. And really, another way that I've been thinking about debt a lot recently is when you go into debt, you are simply choosing to pay something off over time versus paying for it right up front in this moment. And there are a lot of people that make this choice intentionally because oftentimes, from a strict numerical perspective, it's actually more advantageous to pay something off over time instead of paying for it up front. And this tends to be most true when we use debt to buy assets that are going to appreciate in value, like a house. You can pay cash for your home, and lots of people do, but that is more of a decision based in emotion and just wanting to have a paid-for home and not have a mortgage rather than a decision that's rooted in math and numerical logic, which is totally fine. By the way, I also want to make that totally clear. It's absolutely a personal choice. but. I do want to point this out because as a society, we have been conditioned to be afraid of debt. Society has taught us to fear money, to feel lack around money, and to definitely fear debt. And y'all, I want to say I 100% used to be in this camp. If you don't know my personal story in terms of getting out of debt, my husband and I had over $100,000 of student loan and credit card debt combined between the two of us. We worked for years to get it paid off. We actually got it paid off all about six years ago now. But my journey to getting that debt paid off and to becoming debt-free was not an enjoyable one because it was filled with toxic thoughts about the debt. And it was also filled with toxic and unproductive thoughts about myself and who I was as someone who had this amount of debt. I absolutely made debt something moral. I did not view it as a neutral tool. I made the debt mean something bad, and I made myself bad and myself wrong 
for being someone who had this amount of debt. Now, today, my viewpoint and my mindset on debt is a total 180. It's night and day. And truthfully, I really wish that I had given myself the gift of paying off my debt from the mindset that I have now, because if I had, it would have been so much better (laughs) in so many different ways. But now money to me and debt to me is simply just a tool to create the results that I want and to do it in a way that's a lot faster than, let's say, a more traditional route. But let me come back from my tangent. There are a ton of people out there who view debt and who use debt as an intentional tool to create more money and more wealth for themselves in the long term. They don't view debt as a bad thing because they are using it in a way to buy appreciable assets. So the cost that they pay for the debt, the interest, is much lower than the anticipated returns that they expect to get from the asset that they used to buy the debt, or just having the option of paying something off over time so that you have more money in your pocket today that can then be invested and start to grow today versus you losing that time and it not being able five or 10 years from now when the debt is paid off. And this is much more of the mindset that I'm in today with debt. I actually now, today, use debt as a tool. I'm very thoughtful about what I'm choosing to use the debt for, which I'm going to give you concrete examples of this later on in the episode. But my husband and I paid off all our credit cards, paid off all our student loans, and I swore that I would never go back into debt for anything, mostly because the experience of getting rid of it was so painful but it was all self-inflicted. I thought it was because of the debt. Now I see it was actually because of me and my chosen and adopted mindset during that time. But now, because I've totally shifted my mindset on debt, that's not the case anymore. We actually have intentionally decided to go back into debt for certain things. And again, I'm gonna give you guys some examples of how I've used debt in the past couple of years or even presently to create the financial results, and to hit the wealth milestones faster that we're setting out to hit. So let me just start here. In the past, when I was in scarcity with money and scarcity and fear around my debt, I used to feel really burdened by my debt. And it was because I was so focused on the amount of debt I had on the initial price that I had to pay to buy that money, on what I was having to spend and what it was costing me in this moment. I was not focused on what the debt was helping me to create, what it would help me earn in the future, the wealth that it would help me accumulate down the road. I wasn't thinking about that. I wasn't thinking about the earning potential that I now had because of a degree that my student loans bought me. I was simply just thinking about the $40,000 of loans that I had and being very focused on the hundreds of dollars of interest that were hitting my account every month. I was so focused on the current amount of debt that I had in the moment. And because I was so present focused on the initial price of that money and the monthly cost of the money, that I really used it as a reason to shame myself and to let myself spiral into a mindset of, this is going to take forever to pay off. I'm not going to be able to do anything fun until it's gone. What was I thinking? I was so stupid to acquire all this debt and all these loans. I was very past and present focused on my debt instead of being future focused on what did this debt actually buy me? And from what it bought me, what will I be able to create in the future from that? So I will tell you today with debt, I really don't give much thought or much consideration to how much it's going to cost me to buy it. I mean, I definitely look at it. It's part of the equation, but it's not the deciding factor. Because now, today, I do it totally differently than I did in the past. Today, I take it a step further and I look at how much will it cost me not to buy this money and not to make this investment, especially in the beginning of the process. So 
so many of y'all come to me and y'all ask me questions like, should I invest in your program? Should I invest in this certification? Should I buy this asset? I don't have the money for it. I'll have to go into debt for it. So I'm really just not sure if I should do it or not. And my advice to you always is, you have to be considering and paying closer attention to what the anticipated return will be as a result of this decision. So let's just take my program, Overcoming Overspending. Yes, my program is an investment. But if you implement my teachings and you follow the process, your investment will increase by five to tenfold at a minimum over the next 10 years. So to me, it's an absolute no-brainer. But I do want to point out that being future-focused, it's not the first and the most natural place for your brain to go. I've told you all this before, but I want to remind you of it again. The future and the potential returns is not where your mind is going to direct its attention initially or naturally. I want you guys really to give some thought to and to evaluate how you have been socialized to think about debt and about money. What have been the predominant themes there throughout your life? Have the predominant themes and messaging been rooted in fear, in scarcity, in lack, in suffering? Because if they have, then of course, the thought of going into any type of debt or the concept of debt, even if it does mean using debt in the present to create 5 to 10x that in the future, is still probably going to be too uncomfortable for you to go there. Because your primitive brain is going to give all of its attention and all of its focus to where the negativity is, to where the fear is, to where the threat is, because that's its job. It's its job to protect you and keep you alive. And if your brain associates debt with fear, with lack, with suffering, with anxiety, with conflict, with not having what you need, with emotional pain, then your brain, of course, is going to be laser-focused on the amount of debt in the present moment, not what you could do and create with that debt. But I really need you to give some thought to that. I need you to get curious and just let your brain explore the other path that I'm going to take you down in this episode. And I'm not saying that you actually have to go into the debt and that you have to pull the trigger and that you have to go there, but y'all, just get curious. There is nothing wrong with mentally exploring the possibility of what could be, of just allowing your brain to say, okay, but what could I do? What could I create if I invest in the program? What could I create if I invest in the certification, if I start the business, if I decide to pay this asset off over time? So I have more money in my pocket today that can be used for another purpose that will create more money instead of using it all right now to pay for the asset up front. Let me just let my mind conceptually go there. Going to the place of what is the best decision that I can make for myself and for my bank account that is going to benefit my future self the most? What is that choice? Y'all have been giving me such amazing feedback from the episode that I dropped a couple of weeks ago. I think it's episode 76 about your financial BFF. Y'all really loved that episode. And I'm so glad because I always want you guys to keep your financial BFF, your future self, top of mind. And I do think that sometimes we can leverage debt in a way that is going to serve our future self and that's going to make her more of a reality than if we don't use the debt. And we have to start realizing that and start being okay with it. That's what I've started to do. I've started to look at money and at debt as a tool, as a way to turn my money into more money five, 10, 30 years down the road. I can absolutely with certainty tell you that Future Page is going to be a much wealthier woman because of my past and present choice to use debt to create more wealth for her. And I'm so happy that I gave myself that option. I'm so glad I didn't shut myself off to the possibility of what I thought I should be doing, what Dave Ramsey tells you to do. I'm so glad that I chose to reevaluate those things, to take another look, to shift into curiosity and to ask and answer the question for myself of, what if I've been wrong about this? What if there is another way that I can use this tool in a responsible and caring way 
but in a way that will also help me hit my goals and get what I want faster. I'm so glad I gave that gift to myself of just being curious and being open to exploring new things. So for the rest of the episode, I want to talk to you guys about how I've used and how I'm currently using debt in my life to create the results that I want, both personally and within my business. And then at the end, I do want to make one very clear distinction between using debt as a tool to grow more wealth and then using debt as a tool in a way that doesn't do that and using debt in a way that actually hurts you and digs you deeper financially because I think it's key that we make that distinction before we wrap up today. So here we go. Examples of how I used debt as a tool to create more wealth for myself. So the first very clear example of this is when I was getting my life coaching certification. I paid $18,000 for my life coaching certification from the life coach school. And my husband and I, at the time, we did have that money sitting in our rainy day fund, but that was money for our rainy day fund. It was not money that was supposed to be used for life coaching certification. So although we did have the money and we could have pulled the $18,000 out of that, it would have reduced our rainy day fund by about half. And this also was March of 2020, okay? That's when my certification started. It was when the world was shutting down, the sky was falling, COVID was booming, everything was changing. And so instead of using the cash in our rainy day fund during a very uncertain and unpredictable time, we decided to go into debt to pay for my life coaching certification. I told my husband, I was like, look, I know I can make money from this and I know I can earn back my investment and I know I can pay this back once I'm up and running. And so In that situation, debt actually gave us options. It gave us cushion. And we evaluated the trade-offs in that decision. And we really didn't make it any more complicated than that. I looked at the numbers, I did the math, and I said, look, this is how much buying this $18,000 is going to cost us in interest. And when I looked at the math and the numbers, it was going to cost us about $600 in interest to buy the $18,000. And to us, we were willing to pay the $600 in interest to have the peace of mind of having a fully funded rainy day fund when, again, the world felt like it was crashing around us and everyone was losing their jobs and we weren't sure what was going to happen with our jobs. So we made that trade-off and it felt like a good trade-off to us. We made that decision very purposefully. We were using debt for something that was going to be an appreciable asset, aka my future business, my future earning potential as a business owner. And it was something that I knew, okay, we're not just going to be dumping money into this certification and like we're never going to see it again, right? This is an investment that I'm making in myself and in my future earning potential. And y'all, guess what? I made the money back. We paid off the debt. Like I said, we had to pay a couple hundred bucks of interest. But again, I was willing to pay that price for what the debt bought us in that situation and for what the debt enabled me to create. And that debt didn't just allow me to pay for my life coaching certification. It also allowed me to build a business that now today makes a lot more than that. And it has paid for itself many, many times over at this point. So I look back and I think, Was that price, that $600 price tag to buy that $18,000 worth it? And when I look at what it's enabled me to create, the answer is 1,000%. Absolutely. Okay, so that's one example. Now, I want to give you some examples with physical assets that we own. So the first one is our house. We moved back to Dallas over the summer, last summer. We've been here almost a year. And when we did that, we bought a new home. And of course, when you buy a new home, you have to decide how much you're going to put down towards the home. Now, this is the third house that we have bought, third time that we had gone through the home buying process. We don't own three homes, but we bought our first house when we lived in Michigan, when we lived there. Then when we left Michigan, we sold that house and we bought the house in Houston when we moved to Houston. And then we lived in Houston for a couple years. And then when it was time to leave Houston, we sold our house in Houston moved to Dallas, bought a new home in Dallas. So this was the third time that we had gone through the home buying process. Now, in our first two houses, I was very adamant that we put 20% down. I was like, oh my gosh, we have to put 20% down. Like we have to, like, that's just what you do. That's the responsible thing to do. 
And if you don't put 20% down, then God forbid, you're going to have to pay PMI. And I just had all this drama about it. And all the drama really was coming from these self-imposed rules that I thought we had to follow. It was coming from all the shoulds and the shouldn'ts. And I was really convinced that I needed to be following these rules to be you know, a good steward and a responsible user of my money. But this time around, when we bought our house in Dallas, guess what? We only put 5% down. We put the bare minimum that you have to put down to buy the house. And we made that choice for a couple of reasons that I'll share with you. One, the interest rate was exactly the same. If we put 5% down or if we put 20% down, our mortgage broker was like, look, I'm going to give you the same rate regardless of what you put down. So it's not like we were paying a higher interest rate, paying a higher cost, so to speak, by putting 5% down versus 20% down. So that was one. Secondly, we did get a pretty sizable chunk of change back from selling our house in Houston. Number one, because when we bought it, like I said, we put 20% down. So we already went into that house and into that mortgage with 20% equity. And then secondly, while we lived in the house for about three years, the house appreciated in value about $40,000 while we were living in the house. So even after we sold the house and we took out all the expenses and all the closing costs and all the agent commissions out of everything... Between the 20% that we already had put down and the amount that it appreciated while we had it, we got back a six-figure check from the sale of our house in Houston. Now, we could have taken that entire check and used it to cover the 20% down payment on the new house. It was pretty much exactly what we would have needed to make a 20% down payment on the next house if we had wanted to do that. But instead, we didn't do that. What did we do? We looked at the trade-offs and we evaluated what else we could do with that money to turn it into more money instead of just dumping it into our house so that we can say that we put 20% down when we bought our house. So we took that amount and we took out the 5% that we needed to cover on the new house. And then guess what? The rest of that money in that check got invested. We put it in the stock market. And here's why. Because A, we could afford the mortgage payment either way. We could afford the mortgage payment with 5% down or with 20% down. In either situation, we weren't really stretching ourselves to a point where we were uncomfortable or it was getting questionable, right? So the difference in payment between 5% and 20% didn't really matter to us. Secondly, yes, our house is an appreciable asset. It will go up in value more than likely over time. And yes, by us putting an extra 15% down, it absolutely would have saved us a certain amount in interest. That is totally true. In fact, I calculated it and I'm going to share those numbers with y'all. So if we had put an extra 15% down to make it an even 20, we would have saved about $42,000 in interest over the life of our 30-year loan. So over the next 30 years, we would have paid $42,000 less in interest, putting 20% down versus 5% down. But by us taking that money and investing it instead of putting it into our house, the amount that that money will grow to in 30 years far outweighs that $42,000. By 15 times, y'all, 15 times. By us investing that extra 15% instead of putting it into the house and just letting it grow at a very conservative 7% over the next 30 years, that amount is going to grow into just over $650,000. So our choices were put a full 20% down because that's what everyone tells you that you got to do and that's what you got to do to avoid PMI. You'll pay $42,000 less in interest, or you can only put 5% down. You will have more debt. You'll pay more in interest, but in 30 years, you will have 15 times more than what you would have had making the second choice. So, yes, that is a choice that I will make all day long. And y'all, sometimes people, they're like, but Paige, what about the PMI? What about the 
What about the mortgage insurance? Y'all, I don't care about the PMI. (laughs) Okay. Past page used to care. Present page doesn't give a rip. I will happily pay an extra $100 a month in PMI over the next couple of years so that 30 years down the road, future Paige can have 15-fold what she would have had. Like, I'll pay the PMI. So do you see what I mean about being more focused on the wealth that you can create for your future self than being wrapped up in the present cost about the higher amount of debt that you're going to have, about the more interest you're going to pay on the loan, about the $100 a month PMI payment. Future Paige is going to be far wealthier and have far more options for herself because of the choice that we made in that moment. And so it's a trade-off I will make all day long. So yes, our debt is higher now as a result of that choice. Our mortgage is about $85,000 higher in the amount between putting 5 to 20% down So yes, because of that choice, we have more debt today, but we will have much more wealth 15 times approximately 30 years from now. All right, here's another example of how we've utilized debt, my car. So at the start of last year, 2021, my husband's car got stolen. And at the time, I was working from home. And so we went with one car for a while. We went with just one car for about six months. And then we moved to Dallas and my husband got a new job and I needed a car. And so we're like, okay, we need to go back to having two cars. So we decided to go and buy a new car and finance the car. Now, when it came to buy the car, here was our choice. We said, look, we have investments. We could go and we could cash out some of our investments and we could use that cash out to just pay cash for this car so that it's paid in full. We don't have a car payment every single month. It's something that we just own outright. That was one choice. The other choice we had was we can just put a small certain amount down, about 10% down, and then we can finance the car over five years. And we will pay a certain amount every single month. We will choose to pay this car off over time versus paying for it all up front. And yes, we will pay a price to do that. We will pay interest every single month. But again, y'all, I looked at the numbers. I said, okay, what is it going to cost us to buy this money from a lender versus us cashing out investments to pay for this car? And when I looked at the numbers, I determined that the cost to buy the money to then buy the car was going to be about $2,000 over the life of a five-year loan. Then I looked and I said, okay, what will this money turn into in five years? if it stays invested and it continues to grow where it is? And the answer to that question was, the money would grow and earn about $20,000 in a five-year period, just staying where it is, staying invested, continue growing. So the question becomes, am I willing to pay a price of $2,000 to pay this asset off over time So that in five years, my investment portfolio can be $20,000 higher than it would have been if I pull this money out right now to pay cash for this car. And again, when I looked at it from that perspective, it was an absolute no-brainer. So what did we do? We put about 10% down on the car, and now we are financing my car over the next five years. And in five years, it's going to be paid off. And every single month, I make that car payment, and I realize some of this is going to the car, some of it is going to pay for the cost of the money aka the interest. But again, I don't care about the monthly car payment, y'all. We can afford it. Yes, it comes out of my bank account every single month. But I'm also thinking about my investment account that is going to be much higher in five years when this car is paid off than it would have been for me just to be able to say I have a paid for car. Credit cards is another example. So I've done two episodes on credit cards. Go listen to those, episodes 30 and 31. But what I tell you in that episode is I use credit cards for about 90% of my daily spending. The only thing that doesn't go on my credit card is our mortgage payment and our utility payments because they won't let you make your mortgage payment with a credit card. If they did, I would do it. Now, I use credit cards in a way to where I actually don't pay a price for that money. That is money that I am buying for free. I use credit cards in a way so that I'm never paying interest on them. And I'm really not going to get into the details or the specifics of that. Go listen to episodes 30 and 31. 
I walk you through that process. Also, if you join us in Overcoming Overspending, you get my course, Credit Card Clarity, completely free, which is my complete guide to using credit cards, understanding them, paying them off, how to use them without paying interest, which cards I use, which cards are the best for cash back, all that sort of stuff. You'll get it if you're in Overcoming Overspending. But I use credit cards for 90% of my daily spending, and I use cash back credit cards, credit cards that get me anywhere from one and a half to 4% cash back on what I'm buying. And typically, when I look at a 12-month time period and I total it all up across all of my cards, I typically earn between three and $5,000 of cash back in a 12-month period just from doing that. I didn't really budget money for baby stuff because I've been saving and acquiring and accumulating all of my credit card cash back. And I'm using all of that to buy everything we need for baby, to buy all of the nursery stuff, to buy the car seat, to buy the stroller, to buy all of the essentials. Like I told you all, I had a shower this past weekend. It was a very small shower. There was about 20 people there. So I did get gifts at my shower, but it wasn't near enough to cover everything that we're going to need. So I am actually using all of the free cash back that I've earned on my credit cards to pay for everything for baby. And so that's another way that I intentionally use debt as a tool in my life. And that's even a type of debt that I use completely free. I don't pay anything to use that money. I am buying the money from the credit card company for a very short period of time. It's not even a 30-day window. It's not even an amount of time to where they're charging me interest. So it's different, but it's still me buying money free of charge. I never put anything on a credit card that I don't have the money sitting in my checking account to pay off, but I get rewarded in terms of cash back and travel perks as a reward for using the credit card as opposed to using cash or my debit card. All right. One more example I want to give you guys about how I've used debt as a tool. This one has to do with my business. And I know that not all of you guys are business owners, so this might not be relevant to you, and that's okay. But my business is now my sole income. It's how I pay myself. It's going to be a big source of how I generate wealth into the future. And so because of that, I am totally open to utilizing debt as a tool to make the growth of my business a reality. And I recently just invested in a $25,000 mastermind. So I paid $25,000 to be a part of this program with the goal of creating a business that generates half a million in revenue every single year. So I pay $25,000 to make $500,000. Now, of course, it's not a guarantee. Of course, yes, I have to show up. I have to do the work. I have to be committed to the process. I understand that. But my business right in this moment with all of the other expenses that I have, with wanting to pay myself a paycheck, I don't just have $25,000 just sitting in my business checking account to be used upfront for this purpose. So I made the decision to use a business credit card to make this investment. I will be paying interest on the credit card every single month while I pay this $25,000 off over time. But I don't care. I'm okay with it. I don't care about the short-term present cost of the debt If in three years from now, I have a business that is generating half a million to a million dollars in revenue, like I will make that trade-off, absolutely no question. And y'all, yes, of course, my brain wants to take me to, oh my gosh, Paige, $25,000, that's so much money. It really wants me to be focused on the amount of the money and how much it is and how scary it is and what if it doesn't work out and what if your business doesn't go to that point and what if you lose money and What if, what if, what if? And that's where the mindset work comes in that we're going to be talking about next week, where I just have to kind of go, okay, brain, calm down. I hear you, but that's not what we're focusing on right now. I'm not going to focus on the $25,000 investment. I'm not going to focus on the amount that I'm buying today. And I'm not going to focus on the cost of what I'm paying to buy today and the interest that's hitting my credit card every single month, because that's not the point of this investment. I am happy to make that trade to pay that amount if it means 5Xing the size of my business so that my earning potential and my future wealth will be catapulted to levels that wouldn't be possible in the future without making this investment. 
again, I am not focused on what is this debt or what is this decision costing me today in this present moment by making this choice or this decision? What I am focused on is what is this going to cost future Paige if I don't make this choice, if I don't buy this money and I don't pay this price? What will that cost me? And when I look at it through that lens, it becomes an absolute no-brainer. I look at the math. I look at the numbers. I focus on the future possibility rather than being focused on the present fear and anxiety and the present threat. And y'all, I know this might sound so strange to some of y'all, and I get it. And I understand because I was there a couple of years ago. But when that's where I direct my brain and my focus on purpose, debt becomes something that I look at as a tool as a friend, as a trusted partner that I'm using in a controlled and responsible way to get what I want faster, to create the results that I desire with my financial situation quicker. It's not something that I fear. It's not something that I have anxiety about. And I don't make my decision to take on debt mean anything about me. I do not give that much power to it. I understand that debt is just a neutral tool in my life. And I know that I'm in control over the meaning that I'm going to assign to it. And I don't use the debt as a weapon against myself, but rather I look at it as simply, this is a tool in my financial tool belt that I am choosing to use on purpose. And yes, I understand that there is a level of risk associated to these choices. And that is my personal decision to assume that risk for the trade-offs that I anticipate receiving from the debt. And of course, that risk is factored in when I am making these choices, but it's a healthy level of risk that I'm willing to take on in exchange for the results that I know and I feel confident that I can go out and create. I understand that some people, some of you listening to this episode, you might not be willing to take on that risk. And that is okay, perfectly okay. That is a personal choice. But here is my biggest thing. The biggest message I want you to take away from the first part of our debt discussion. I want you to be making these choices with your spending, with your debt, with your finances on purpose. Look at the math, look at the numbers, assess the risk and reward trade off. Don't just not do it because it's going to require debt because you think debt is bad and moral and you shouldn't have it and it should not be used under any circumstances whatsoever. You shouldn't be making your financial choices out of obligation, out of what you think you should do, out of what so-and-so tells you to do. I don't want you making these decisions from a place of money being moral, of debt being moral, of spending being moral, that you fear going into debt because what you're going to make your choice about using the debt mean about you. That is not a good reason, y'all. I always say, make whatever decisions you want, but like your reasons. And to me, making decisions based on fear, on obligation, on shoulding and shouldnting, those are not very good reasons. They're just not. If you evaluate the trade offs and you say, I don't like this trade off and I am not willing to make this trade off, I don't want to take on this level of risk, perfectly valid. Excellent. Do you? We all have different levels of risk tolerances, but all I'm saying is just, Make that decision intentionally. Give some intention to it. Most of us aren't even doing that. I just want you to take ownership over your choices, to look at the math, look at what's going on. What do the numbers say? Do you like the numbers? Do you like the trade-offs? Are you willing to make the trade-off based on the level of risk and the level of reward? And then make your choice. Don't make your choice just based off of morality and what you should do in obligation. I've done that for a long time. It feels terrible, awful, and it's not going to help you create the financial results that you want to create. It's not the emotional space that we reach our full financial potential from. I want you making your decisions around your finances out of a place of control, of empowerment, and of authority over your own finances and doing what works best for you based on what you want to go out and create by when. That is the lens that we need to be making our decisions from. 
All right, let's wrap up this episode. (laughs) I told y'all we have a lot to cover and there's even another episode coming this week where this is going to continue. But let's wrap up this week's episode by making this important distinction. I do understand and recognize that the way that we've been talking about debt in this episode is using it in a way so that we can create more wealth for ourselves. And I know that some of us get ourselves into debt for things that don't fall into this category. They aren't for the houses. They're not for the education, the certifications, but instead they're for the clothes, the shoes, the happy hours, things like that. And I totally want to recognize this distinction. And if you're like, but Paige, that is the type of debt that I have. I have credit card debt from clothes and shoes and happy hours. I want to tell you it's okay. I used to be there. I racked up credit card debt at the height of my shopping, and it's okay. You are still worthy. You are still lovable. You are still capable of paying it off, and you are still capable of creating every financial result that you want to create. I can help you do that. I promise I can. That's what we're going to be talking about next week is how to deal with the debt that you currently have that you've racked up in a way that wasn't intentional and it wasn't to create more wealth. But instead, you were using the debt as a way to buy things so that you could entertain yourself and distract yourself in a way that you thought would buy your happiness or buy your respect or buy the admiration of other people, that type of debt. And yes, that is different than what we talked about today, right? I know that. I see that. I recognize that. I've been in both places, though. I have. I have used debt in the way that we talked about today, but I didn't always use debt in that way. There was a time that I used it in a way that wasn't helpful or wasn't beneficial to future Paige. It wasn't creating more wealth for her. It was doing the opposite. It was creating less wealth for her in the long term over time. And so if you feel like that's the camp that you're currently in, I see you. I have help coming for you. That's what we're going to be talking about next week. But before we got into that, I wanted you to have the foundation of this week. I wanted to show you that Debt doesn't have to be a bad thing. It doesn't have to be all doom and gloom. There is another way. I want to show you that you have choices, freedom, and options when it comes to debt. You have the power to use debt however you want. You can choose to use it the way we talked about today. You can choose to use it not at all. It's your choice, and I'm here to help you figure out the choice that is best for you. The last thing I want to tell you is... Please don't take from today's episode that I'm just telling you that you should go into debt willy-nilly, doesn't matter, you shouldn't put intentional thought and consideration behind these choices. Not at all. I put a lot of time, I look at the numbers, I put a lot of energy into making these decisions. So today, present moment, I am not using debt as entertainment. I don't use debt to make unintentional purchases. I don't use debt to fill up my life with junk and excess and clutter. It's a very purposeful tool that I use, that I choose to use in my financial tool belt. It's a tool that helps me create more wealth over the long term. It's not a tool that makes my life and my bank account and my environments more heavy or more cluttered. I don't use it in a way to escape my life. And I don't use it as a way to buy things so that I can escape my emotions. But like I said, it wasn't always that way. So if you're just starting on your debt journey and this hasn't been the way that you use debt in the past, it's okay. (laughs) Take a deep breath. You're okay. I'm here to help you. We will figure this out together. I haven't always been at the place that I've described to you in this episode. I used to be the total opposite of that. It does take work. It does take effort, but it's possible. And it's your choice. You get to decide the role that debt is going to play in your life, whether it's using it as a purposeful tool to help you create more wealth in the future, or if you've just made the decision that you're not going to use it at all or anywhere in between those two choices. It's all perfectly okay. And it's all 100% up to you. So here's how I can help. First, tune in next week to part two of this discussion. We're going to keep this debt discussion going. So make sure you tune in next Tuesday for part two. Secondly, come join me in overcoming overspending. I will be coming out with a bonus course this month on debt that's going to get released to all students later this month. 
And so you can go ahead and jump in now, start going, start consuming the content and the process so we can get your spending under control. And then what we can do is we can make a plan to totally transform your debt mindset, come up with a plan to get it paid off, and come up with a plan of how you want to use it moving forward. But whatever you choose, it's going to be in a way that helps and serves you and is best for you. This is what I'm here to help you do within Overcoming Overspending and within Credit Card Clarity, which you get when you join Overcoming Overspending. You'll get weekly coaching from me to help you implement your plan. Yes, Overcoming Overspending is an investment, but like I said, it's an investment with a 5 to 10x payoff if you implement the process. And it's an investment that comes with a 100% money back guarantee as well. It's a win-win all around. It really is a no-brainer, and I intentionally designed it that way so that you guys didn't have to have a lot of mind drama over should I, shouldn't I, him and Han back and forth. It's just, yes, this makes sense. I'm going to be future-focused about what this investment is going to give me over the long term. I'm jumping in. I'm going to do it. So I hope that you will. You can go to overcomingoverspending.com to get all of the details, to jump in, and to join me. Can't wait to work with you and to help you on your debt journey. All right, y'all. That's what I have for you this week. Thank you for tuning in for this, again, very meaty, robust, probably longer episode of the podcast. I love you guys dearly, dearly. Have a fantastic week, and I'll see you next Tuesday. Bye. Hey, girl. If you enjoyed this episode, I want to invite you to join me in Overcoming Overspending. It's my signature program where I take you through my three-phase approach to stop impulse shopping and overspending so that you can finally start making substantial progress with your finances. Through the self-paced online program, student community group, and live weekly coaching with me, you will receive all the encouragement you need to finally achieve lasting change with your money habits that have been sabotaging you for so long. You'll have money back in your pocket. You will leave behind the stress and the worry that you currently experience with money and your spending will be controlled, purposeful, and actually feel good and be fun. The best part is it's 100% risk-free. You have a lifetime to implement my proven process. And after doing that, if you don't make your investment back, I will give you a full refund. Your results are guaranteed or the program is on me. Just head over to overcomingoverspending.com to get started. I can't wait to have you as a student within the program.